CRFM New York. This is Jazz Alternatives. My name is Mitch Goldman. You? No, you. No, you. No, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 my friend. You picked the right night to be next to the radio. Yeah. We, we're going there, man. We are going there. We've got, uh, it's Deep Focus, this great program that we love to do. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and introduce my guest. Brian Charette is here. Back, I should say. Back here. So glad to be here. Yes. I love your program. <laughs> I love to come on. Oh, man. We, we haven't had a stinker yet, and I got a good feeling that tonight's not going to be one either. Surely. We are, uh, let's, let's get in the WKCR chopper and uh, fly down to the, to, uh, the village and uh, turn the calendar to December 11th, 1982. Here we are. At the Village Vanguard, and who's this stepping Ar- up onto the bandstand? It's Armando. Armando himself, Chick Corea, Miroslav Vitus, and Roy Haynes at the Village Vanguard in deep focus with Brian Charette tonight on WKCR.
They're hooting. So are we. <laughs> we are. We are. They're hooting at the Village Band Band. They're excited. Our cover was left. Um, we are going to pause that right now. You know, um, let me hear uh, Brian Shrett. <laughs> Welcome to the show. I want to make sure that um, I'm hearing you on this mic. Hello. Hmm. Testing, testing. You're in there. Sibilance, sibilance. You're in there. Uh, we, this is Deep Focus. We mm -hmm. are in it. We are sure enough in this Deep Focus on Chick Corea, uh -huh. Miroslav Vitosh, and Roy Haynes mm -hmm. playing together at the uh, Village Vanguard, 1982. Brian Charette, my guest. And when we were talking about what we might play, we've done a few of these. We've mm -hmm. had quite a series of keyboard players, actually. Mm -hmm. Might not be too much of a surprise for fans of your organ work. Mm -hmm. and uh, But this, Chikoria was the first thing that you mentioned. Well, I think he was my favorite of, you know, I think people group like Keith Jarrett and Herbie Hancock and Chikoria together. And Chick is my favorite of all of those and the one that I spent the most time checking out, I think. And what, uh, Why? What, what is it about his um, career? I mean, all these guys are very uh, original players. Well, he has this very interesting way of playing fourths that I think comes from McCoy Tyner, and I'm sure a couple people were developing it um, in the late 50s or early 60s. But he plays very interesting altered pentatonic scales, which are pretty simple five-note scales. But he will sneak one or two other notes in there and he gets very interesting sounding lines with that. Um, and we were also talking about Now He Sings, Now He Sobs, right. being a very big piano trio record. This, this, um, is, this is a, a singular recording for us, um, distinctive. All these, we always play these live, unreleased recordings from the archives here. And yeah, this is very special. 1982, there this is the same trio that had recorded that album, mm -hmm. which was one of Chikoria's very first recordings. It was recordings. like 1966 or something, right? Or yeah, 68. It, it came out in 68. Uh -huh. I, I want to say it was recorded in 67. I think, that was, I think that was his second album. Maybe. Tones for Jones Bones was right. first, I think. Right, yeah, yeah, uh -huh. yeah. So he's in his mid-20s. He puts this trio together mm -hmm. with these, these two guys, bass player and great bass player, fantastic drummer. Um, Roy was already a legend at that time and had been... Uh, played with everybody imaginable. The bird? Yeah, from Bird on through. And uh, Miroslav, I think this is one of his early recordings as well. Probably. He must have been pretty young. And um, so they did that really, you know, I think of that as kind of a groundbreaking album, but I think it was had a slow build. I think of it that way, too. I think everybody does. But I don't think it was, I don't think it made him a star when, when it came out. Mm -hmm. I think it took a while for the to get a perspective on where Chick was going. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that album, <laughs> Now He Sings, Now He Sobs, actually got one star in Downbeat when it came out. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think the world kind of slept on it at the time. Uh -huh. And Well, it uh, was out, you know. We were talking also before about the alternate takes of that album, which are being released on the disc now. And they're, it's pretty avant-garde music. Yeah. You know. And then uh, subsequently... Chick made a lot of pretty 
venturesome music sure. with uh, you know, with Miles in New York with Mi- and even before with Miles, uh-huh. the stuff that he did, uh, you know, Circle and um, you know with uh, Braxton and all that stuff, and and then also then with Miles and then by the time of this recording he had started and done pretty much the whole first run mm-hmm. of Return to Forever and he mm-hmm. became kind of you know the, a, a pop star in sure. the improvised music world mm-hmm. and now he's circling back putting this band together that had made that early terrific mm-hmm. recording mm-hmm. very interesting uh, moment in his recording career mm-hmm. what maybe um, curious what you hear when you listen to these three guys playing together well the first thing is the symbol that Roy uh-huh. Haynes uses and uh, I remember being young hearing now he sings now he sobs and everybody's talking about flat ride symbol of Roy Haynes and a lot of drummers I play with don't like these symbols um, but people who love them really love them and I think it's an incredible choice for piano or organ trios. Now what does that mean a flat ride symbol? What is it? What, what well is a, a ride usual symbol? a ride symbol is the symbol that the drummer plays in general in jazz this pattern on ding ding da ding ding da ding ding da ding uh, as opposed to the hi-hat symbol which is also known as the sock symbol. Mm-hmm. Or the crash. Well, the crash is a different one. Right. I'm saying it's a... But a ride can be a crash. Uh-huh. <laughs> and this flat ride... So it has no bell. It's a perfectly flat Right. If you look symbol. at most drummer symbols, there's, mm-hmm. in the, there's a raised right. dome That attaches it to the stand. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, when a drummer might hit that part of the... That's called the bell. Mm-hmm. The drummer might hit that part of the symbol and mm-hmm. get a different sound, different... Also, just even having it makes lots of overtones. Yes. Which a flat ride does not have. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. And you had a theory about why you might have made that choice for this recording. Well, it just, a lot of times drums can be too loud for really precise piano or organ work. And a lot of drummers who play in groups like that follow the lead of, of this, you know, Roy, Hay- Roy Haynes flat top cymbal. So that, that was his innovation. Yeah, it was, it's pretty big. Like, a lot of people talk about this symbol and its use and its function on that album. And he brought that back for this session. It's, you know, I'm not 100% sure, but that pretty much sounds like the symbol. Like, it sounds like it has no bell when we're listening to the recording right now. And what, uh, to me, these three guys have a distinctive group sound. Sure. How would you characterize that what each of these guys is bringing and i think they're pretty wild i think the other two guys even more than chick who plays he plays wild stuff but has a very controlled technique um roy and miroslav sound pretty wild to me sometimes like they're really going for some um intense kind of emotional reaction you know um and that's why I'm so interested in this group, because they play almost like a rock band together to me. Mm, you know? mm. And I very much like rock music and its influence in jazz. So that's why I like this group so much. Mm-hmm. And uh, is that, does that have to do with volume? Does that have to do with rhythm? Where, where do you I, hear that? Everything. Intention. It's intention. You know? They're hitting hard, you know, and they're not afraid to get off. Yeah. You know, it doesn't sound safe to me. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like I'm just listening to the... Chick, some people say Chick sounds safe, though, you know. Mm. Um, and I think he does, but against this framework of these two guys who are, to me, going pretty wild, it's very interesting. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I hear a lot of very spontaneous sounding lines coming from Chick. I mean, mm-hmm. it sounds like he's really just kind of attacking the piano, just uh-huh. coming at it. And His technique sounds so perfect and, and balanced, though, you know. He is one of those pianists who has a sound. Yeah. I mean, not to... Uh, no, you instantly know it's him. Yeah. And considering that pianists in particular generally have to play the instrument that's presented to them, that's mm-hmm. not always an easy feat. It's true. But And part of that sound... It sounds like he is he is bringing some percussive mm-hmm. element to what he's playing. Sure. He's, he's hitting those keys hard. Well, he has so much of this Spanish influence, you know, in his music. And he, I think he had, he played drums. Sure, from eight years old or something. Yeah. He plays drums on that Three Quartets record. I can't remember the name of the record, maybe. But he plays drums on his records sometimes. And he's got that. No, that. he's a great drummer. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What? Uh, anything you want to say about the material that uh, we're listening to on this album? And uh, Well, so far, this is just a standard night and day. Yes. Um, I think two Monk tunes are coming up. He talks about how much the group is inspired by Thelonious Monk. I think, you know, it was interesting. I was thinking about this, listening to it, and you'll hear this in a moment. This was recorded in December of 1982. Monk had died earlier that year. Uh-huh. And I was thinking about the fact that for people who were discovered this music more recently, they might not realize, first of all, that Monk was alive at that time mm-hmm. because there are no recordings of him. He did not play as he far as He was kind of in knows. the Baroness's house, right? Yeah. Yeah. And when Chick said, says what he says about Monk, it almost sounds like he's uh, anticipating somebody resisting that idea. He advances the idea that they have great regard for Monk as a mm-hmm. as a composer, mm-hmm. and like this was not, you know, I don't think anybody would say that now. I don't think Chick Corea would feel the need to say that. I mm-hmm. think it's so commonly accepted. Uh-huh. Um, Monk's star has just continued to rise sure. as a composer since that time, especially with young New York people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, there isn't any question that mm-hmm. that's the pantheon. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, that was a much more bracing idea. I mean, not that people didn't know Monk tunes, but uh, I remember a whole spate of albums coming out from different players playing Monk compositions at that mm-hmm. time. So that w- I think that was a more challenging notion mm-hmm. then than it would be now. Mm-hmm. Should we dump, jump back in? Sure. Yes. We are presenting a deep focus on uh, this great, great band. It really is a band. It sounds like a band. Sure. I'm not going to say trio. Great band. And it's Chick Corea, Miroslav Vitosh, and Roy Haynes. And um, I don't think it's listed as Chick Corea with. I I think these three guys get Uh co-billing in this. And uh, they recently made the album Trio Music. And they were touring behind that. They a few years later they made the album uh, Trio Music Live in Europe. Came out on ECM, and then they played a few dates around Chick's 70th birthday just a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh huh. But this is a rather rare document. This record live recording at the Village Vanguard, December 1982. So let's go back to the bandstand. Anything else we got to no set them up with? Mm-mm. 
Brian Charette is my guest. I'm Mitch Goldman. This is a, this is a whole lot of fun. <laughs> Let's go back to the Village Vanguard from the KCR archives. <laughs> Thank you. 
thank you very much. Um, that was a waltz called The Loop. And uh, we started out with a standard song called Night and Day, You Are the One. Da 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 under the sun. <laughs> and uh, we'd like to continue now with um, a couple of uh, compositions by Thelonious Monk, who. Um, I think we all we all consider to be um, well us we all meaning the three of us in the group I think consider to be uh, one of the major classic composers of music. Um, he's not thought of that way sometimes I think you know jazz musician but I think he's a classic composer. Uh, anyway, we're going to do one of his better known pieces called um, Round Midnight and then right. one other thing called Rhythmining.
Village Vanguard. Not only are we at the Village Vanguard right now, but it's 1982. It's 1982. We both have mullets, and it's winter. <laughs> <laughs> we had to put a sweater on for this one. We, uh, yeah, no, we're in the WKCR archives. We got a live recording from December of 1982 of the fantastic trio of uh, the band. I should say the three-piece band. We're calling it a band because it is. It's uh, it's Chick Corea. Miroslav Vitosh and Roy Haynes, who had just recently released the album Trio Music, which I think is still available. And uh, also, as we were saying a little bit earlier, it's a little bit of a flashback to 1968 when this group had previously recorded mm-hmm. together, although we're in a wildly different landscape in 1982 than we were. When did the second acoustic band come out with Weckl and John Patitucci? What year was that? Well, uh, I'm going to say... Uh, I'm going to be totally way off. I'm going to early 90s. I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, let me uh, just say, I'm Mitch Goldman. This is Deep Focus on WKCR. My guest, Brian Charette. 
And uh, so happy having you back here, man. Happy I, to I, be here. I learn so many things from you every time we do I like this. the cookies you bring. I, you know, <laughs> it's really... It is. They're like we have in, in... They're in one piece, you know, where I am usually. You, uh, we might talk about that a little bit. You do a lot of work in another part of the world. I kind of live in Prague half the time, I guess. And um, you're playing... If you don't know Brian, you should. Brian... Charette, fantastic organ player, plays uh, around town, and you have a gig coming up, which we should tell people about. I'm playing a lot in town this week, not with my own things, but with other great people. Um, Mike DeRubo at Smoke late Tuesday night. Um, ben Drazen at Smalls Wednesday night. I'm playing with Jay Collins Thursday. Every, you know, somewhere else every night, which yeah. is why I like being back here. That's <laughs> great. Yeah. And now, you, so you're playing music in Prague but uh, and I, I love the insights you give me about the scene there and the musicians mm-hmm. there and style and well Miroslav is Czech you know let's talk about that um, and the Czech Republic has an incredible tradition for acoustic bassists like George Mraz um, and how I first started to go to the Czech Republic was with a gentleman who plays trumpet named Lazo Deci mm. who in the 60s was playing in Prague with Miroslav and Jan Hammer and people like this. Um, so I'm kind of like, um, I've never met Miroslav, but I feel like there's some kind of connection that I have with, you know, Prague. And I can hear in his bass playing, like the kind of Moravian folk music and, and all of the influences that give the players their music there, you know, which is so different from our influences. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, it's an interesting thing that comes through in this. Uh, the scene that they were in in 68 that Chick was particularly involved in, there was uh, a lot of uh, development of extending technique. You were talking off mic earlier about mm-hmm. Chick practically climbing into the piano and some of the things that Miroslav's doing mm-hmm. are not conventional things that one might learn mm-hmm. studying classically, mm-hmm. but they're, uh, they've got this added vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And Miroslav in that solo just now, that bowed solo. Incredible. Yeah. He's Way high up on the neck, too. Just <laughs> yeah. We'll play something super technical and then just freak out a little bit. Yeah, know? yeah. The other thing that I love about this, and this is, to me, is maybe the hallmark of a great band. This is like, it's like a conversation, you know, and everybody's got a lot of great things to say. Mm-hmm. They're listening to each other and responding and coming mm-hmm. up with ideas. They're these little kind of, you know, preset, almost like uh, football plays or something, and then they're jumping off of that mm-hmm. and... Uh, totally trusting one another and supporting one another, and and it's just it's just flowing. They sound incredible. That's a band. Mm-hmm. That's we should have gone to the show that night instead we of staying have. home watching Holland Oats on Solid exactly. Gold. <laughs> <laughs> what were we thinking, man? We blew it. But thankfully, WKCR has these recordings, and we're able to explore this and uh, dive in a little bit. You, I'm not a musician, but you were breaking it down a little bit for me, and maybe we should tell the folks at home some of the things that you were talking about. That, that well, I think, you know, when I think of Chick Korea, I think very much of a Boston school of jazz improvisation, and I studied for a while with this gentleman named Charlie Benakis, who was obviously after Chick, but I kind of feel like Pat Metheny, Chick Korea, Mike Stern, um, George Garzone, 
a lot of them are combining different kinds of triads that they take out of scale. Some people call it hexatonic approach. Oh, wow. I'm not sure that Chick Corea would call it that or if that's what he's thinking of. But, you know, they were playing these triads on top of each other. They were playing McCoy and Chick very much, a Japanese scale called the incense scale, which is from Japanese, um, what is the instrument, koto uh -huh. music. Um, and they're using it in jazz, you know. And the fourth kind of harmony is from very old church music, mm. you know, like mm. way before Bach. So when I think of the Boston school of jazz playing, I think of all of these different influences, you know, which are different from the New York City bebop a little bit to me. Mm. Um, and I was studying up there with this guy to get this kind of stuff in my playing, you know, um, these altered pentatonics and this hexatonic approach. Wow. The waiting list for two, was for two years to get with Charlie Binakis. Wow. Yeah. Um, rhythmically, it's, it's, there's a lot going on here, too. Uh-huh. All three of them. I think Chick has a lot of these Spanish folk rhythms in his music. And I think we were talking about before, I, he was one of the first people that I was listening to for these kind of um, vamps that are odd groupings of triplet phrases and four and stuff like that. Like, I got a lot of these kinds of ideas from Chick Corea. I think most modern pianists have very much checked him out, you know. Um, like when I listen to Tigran Hamasyan, which is one of my favorite new pianists, I'm sure that he was into this kind of stuff. Um, and many, many of my peers, you know. Um, and I think Herbie Hancock had incredible um, rhythmic um, ideas, but my interest in these kind of strange repeating phrases come from Chick. Mm -hmm. And how does he... When, he, when he's got di different ensembles, he's got all these different groups that he's worked with over the years, and mm -hmm. sometimes he seems to maintain one or two or more mm -hmm. at the same time. And uh, does he change his approach, or is it just about creating an environment? Well, I think when he plays on synthesizers, it's different. He's incredible on synthesizers as well and uses the technology very much, but I think his harmonic approach is, is the same. Mm. You know, I mean, it sounds like he's playing his lines when I hear him on all these different instruments or with all these different groups. I still think he owns the Fender Rhodes still. Sure. And these with the stuff with Ayerto is like that solo on uh, that's like Spain and all of those. Yeah. Like incredible, incredible solos. Yeah. He yeah. he to me made that mm -hmm. a real instrument. Mm -hmm. He's uh, well. We're, this is really a treat. You're listening to WKCR FM New York. I'm Mitch Goldman. We're here from six to nine p.m. with this program we call Deep Focus. Brian Charette is our guest and. Deep Focus is where it's at tonight. It's, a, it's a, a cold night in December 1982 here on the airwaves. And what a band is on stage. Chick Corea playing piano, Miroslav Vitoš on the bass, and Roy Haynes playing the drums. Um, they had made what would become a hugely influential album over the years. Now He Sings, Now He Sobs. In 1968, when uh, it was released, Chick was in his mid-20s. It was his second time in the studio as a leader. And uh, he brought these guys back together for this, uh, this whole new language that's come about from their playing, their pro individual projects, and this group together now 14 years later, 1982. It's really a very special night. Glad you're part of it.
Me too. We got two more <laughs> hours, which is really incredibly <laughs> cool. All right, we're going to go back to the bandstand. What else should we tell the folks? Nothing. Dig the sounds. Dig the sounds on WKCR.
What kind of host would start talking in the middle of a solo like that? Well, guilty. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman, and you've been listening to Deep Focus. That was part one of three parts of this program from May of 2013. Brian Charette, my guest, and we're on the topic of Chick Corea, Miroslav Vitosh, and Roy Haynes. And I'm saying this to you in the middle of February of 2021 as we lost Chick Corea last week. Very sad news, but um, listening to this, and just hearing a lot of his music in the wake of his passing, he's so, such a vibrant force. And uh, I think Brian does a magnificent job of talking about what was special about him and why it was special. I really, I'm enjoying listening back to the show. I hope you're digging it. If you are, follow along. You probably already subscribe. If not, you could find Deep Focus on your favorite podcasting app or at mitchgoldman.podbean.com and can also follow us along on Instagram. It's Deep Focus Podcast. Deep underscore focus podcast. Deep focus. Deep underscore focus underscore podcast at Instagram. Great way to uh, keep in touch with us and find out what's coming up. So two more parts of this program coming online. Uh, and um, yeah, there's over 100 episodes there. So uh, come on along. All right. Glad you're with us. Enjoy.